And Lorne Michaels, the producer of Saturday Night Live, came to see one of those. He oh, actually wow. walked up four flights of stairs <laughs> at a little black box theater on the Lower East Side of Manhattan and sat there in the front row. Yeah, I did a scene with The Rock. I did a love scene with The Rock. And Monument 14 came out in 2012, I think. It went on to be a huge, a, a big success of so the book. The series, the trilogy has sold over a quarter million copies in the year. Like, God, I'll never be this good. I'll never be this good. So why even try? It's really easy to get discouraged. Whenever you find yourself losing time and you, because you're so into it, take note of that. Are you confused on what you want to be when you grow up? Curious to see what different careers are really like? Don't worry, you're not alone. Explore and find your passions with By Youth for Youth. Access to knowledge, opportunity for exploration. A video and podcast series run by youth for youth. Hi, I'm Sunny. I'm Sahana. And I'm Nivi. And we are by youth for you. Hi everyone, today we have Emmy Laborn on the podcast with us today. Could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your job? Absolutely. I am a writer, I'm a novelist. I write young adult novels, but I've had many different jobs over the, my career. So I'm excited to be here because I can tell you guys about all of them. <laughs> Um, I loved, I'll, I'll start by just giving you a little bit of background about how I came to be where I am. Um, okay. I started out, I, in college, I really loved creative writing, but I also loved comedy improv. And so I did them both. Yeah, I got a, my, my major was English and I wrote my thesis was a creative thesis. It was about a, it was a futuristic, um, dystopian society where women were servants to men and had computers implanted oh, wow. in their brains. Yeah. So how I've been do you writing... come up with ideas like that? <laughs> like how, how? I don't know what is wrong with me. I have had <laughs> these kinds of ideas my whole life. And when people meet me, they're like, oh, you, you seem so nice. Why do you write these dark, dark stories? But, um, I don't know. They're, they, they, the, the ideas are really all around. And I think once you give yourself permission to be a creative person, then you start writing your ideas down and they grow and they simmer. And then suddenly you've got like a bunch of ideas. I mean, I've got more ideas now than I know what to do with. Oh, wow. Um, you can give some yeah. to me. I'll try writing some of them. Okay, you got it. I will. <laughs> I will. Um, here's one. Okay, you can have this one. Okay. Sounds good. I have the, and I'll get back to telling you my life story, but um, I have the idea for a group of cheerleaders who are also assassins. Boom. Whoa! Oh my right? gosh, that could be revolutionary. I could see it like as a movie right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. All right, so do what you can with that one. I might also be okay. working on it on the side, but you know we can okay. we can collaborate on it. Exactly. Um. So in college, I, I had it, I majored in English. I wrote this creative thesis, but I started doing a lot of improv. And when I graduated, I hit the alternative comedy scene in New York City. 
and started performing. And it was this wild, wonderful, super intense um, community. Every night we would go up at a different alternative comedy venue. And I was there doing bits with people like Zach Galifianakis and Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler and uh, Randy and Jason Sklar. And then I could list you like also 50 people who are not famous who were doing it all at the same time. I saw that you were like in the movie Superstar, I think it was, and that yeah. had Will Ferrell in it as well. So mm-hmm. like, what was that like during this time too, or was it later in the future? Yeah, it was just around this time. I I was doing all this work, um, performing all the time. I got cast in that Saturday Night Live movie Superstar with Molly Shannon. It's mm-hmm. her Catholic schoolgirl character. And this is 20, 25 years ago. This is a really long time oh, ago, wow. 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But um It was wonderfully fun. All through that period, I was still writing my own material. The the hard thing about being an actor is you're waiting on auditions. You're just waiting for the call from your agent, then you learn the lines and you go in. So it it can be really defeating when you're a young actor. So instead, I was writing my own comedy material. I wrote several one-woman shows. They were totally nutty and just off the wall and Lorne Michaels the producer of Saturday Night Live came to see one of those he actually walked up four flights of stairs (laughs) at a little black box theater on the lower east side of Manhattan and sat there in the front row which was hilarious oh my gosh and he just was like I'm gonna sit in the front row and make you nervous and see if you can handle it and the, the theater held like 40 people. So they're all like sitting there behind him. And they're mostly my friends and family just looking at me like, oh my God, don't blow it. Don't blow yeah. it at me. Um, I did not blow it. I got cast yeah. in that movie. Um, and after that, I then moved to Los Angeles and was an actor. I, I auditioned. I got on a NBC sitcom called DAG with David Allen Greer and Delta Burke, who are, you you might probably don't know who they are, but um, we had a bunch of great guest stars. We had Lil' Kim came on as a guest star and uh, The Rock. That was I my... saw that picture on oh, your website. You? I was looking at your website yeah. and I was like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, I did a scene with The Rock. I did a love scene with The Rock. If you oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. It. And he's the nicest guy in the world. He's like mm-hmm. kind, professional, compassionate, totally charming. Um, so, so I was here. There I was being an actor, and then I fell in love. I got married, and I got pregnant. And with a baby on the way, I, I had always had um, kind of a troubled relationship with auditioning. It's auditioning is very hard, and. I, now that I was pregnant and I had this great body and this big belly with a baby in it, I just couldn't bear to go back to auditions. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Um, I was also so tired. Then the baby came and I was so tired and whacked out. So instead, I turned back towards my writing. And I went to UCLA and got a degree in screenwriting. I started with a three-month-old baby in this program. And by the time I finished, three years later... She was three, and I was pregnant with my uh, my other child, my son, Rex. How did you um, manage being in school and, like, being a new mother at the same time? 
Well, I, I'm, I was extremely lucky that I had help. We, we could afford to have a nanny. I could never have done it without a nanny, obviously. Yeah. You know, I couldn't have done it. Um, but it, and it was, it was fine. But in retrospect, um, you know, I couldn't quite get as much out of it as I think some of my peers did because I was sure. sleep deprived and busy and also leaking milk yeah. through my shirt. <laughs> None of them had that problem. <laughs> um, so after, all right, so I'm coming to the end of my story and then we can just get into more general questions. But um, I graduated from UCLA with this degree. Now I have this brand new degree and it sort of was time for me to start um, taking meetings to be a screenwriter, right? Going all over town, mm -hmm. meeting everybody, having these great uh, these screenplays that everyone would read and get excited about and then bring me in and then tell me, you know, ask me to pitch them my best ideas for a movie about the Smurfs or whatever thing I would have to do. <laughs> but my husband was a film editor and film editing um, requires hours and hours and hours and hours in this dark edit room. And he kind of couldn't handle it anymore. He, he was missing our kids. And so he, he applied to graduate schools all over the world and got his top one was Parsons in New York City. So we relocated from LA to upstate New York. We put our kids into this charming little Waldorf school in the country, <laughs> which is like hippie paradise. Oh. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be a screenwriter from hippie paradise. So what am I going to do? And I had this friend who was a literary agent and I took mm -hmm. her out to lunch and I said, here are five ideas for young adult novels. And I pitched her old school Hollywood style. And she liked this one pitch about 14 kids who get trapped in a superstore while civilization collapses. I called it, we are value mart. <laughs> and she said, <laughs> I love that concept. I hate the name. So um, I changed the name to Monument 14. And I wrote the first 160 pages and a proposal for the rest of the series. And we sold it to Macmillan. And Monument 14 came out in 2012, I think. That's right. And um, it went on to be a huge, a, a big success. So the book, the series, the trilogy has sold over a quarter million copies in the U.S. Oh, wow. And it's, it's done great. So that sort of launched my career as a novelist. And that's mostly what I've been doing um, for the past 10 years except I also am just right now starting my own podcast that I'll have to tell you about later. Yes, uh, I definitely want to hear about that. Yeah, so that's like an overview. So I, I got to do all these great things from theater um, to screenwriting to writing novels. And probably my favorite thing of all, honestly, is when I get to talk to kids about what I do. So by inviting me on this podcast, you've given me a really nice gift. That's great. I, we have like writer's week at our school. So do you go to those types of things too at other schools and talk I, to kids? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I, I do author visits and I, they, schools mm -hmm. bring me in and I talk to everyone and I give rousing speeches. It's, it's <laughs> I think you have a Ted talk, right? Or you're, you have, yeah, I do a have talk, a Ted right? talk. Yeah, I, have I a saw TED that talk. on your website too. <laughs> what did you talk about in that? I'm just curious. 
Uh, it's funny you ask because I, I talk about, um, it's not the best TED Talk, okay? Let's just, <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's not, great. great. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> I actually talk about what I talk about when I go to schools. Um, the TED Talk is called Digital Natives Must Be Creatives. And it's about, it's, I'm really not an expert in this, so I don't know why I thought I should talk about this. But it's about the fact that kids, you and your peers, um, are, are so immersed in technology that it's really important that you be using it to be creative and not just be using it um, as an audience, soaking in what other people are making. That your phone can make anything. You can make a song, you can make yeah. a video, you can make stuff that I don't even understand as someone who is my age. That you're like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a TikTok smash up. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making that up. But you, there are things you know how to do that I have no idea what they are. And so my TED Talk is about um, how I engage kids to think about story, to help them to create. That is so cool. I want to be on a TED Talk one day. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Good. I love dreams and goals. They're fabulous. <laughs> Uh, so you mentioned what your favorite part is, but what's your least favorite part of your job or that you've had in your past career? Hmm. The, the hardest thing about being a novelist, uh, and I could tell you things about being a screenwriter and things about being an actor as well, but the hardest thing about being a novelist is that you don't, you can't really control what happens to your book after you write it. Um, the publisher... Sometimes they give you a great cover. It looks amazing and it's perfect. And I got lucky with Macmillan. Uh, I would say I wrote six books with them. Five out of six times they nailed it. And on the sixth book, I just hated the cover. I just hate it. And I wasn't able to, I worked, I tried really hard. First I was very polite mm -hmm. and I got less polite and I got really like, hey, this, I am, this is a real problem for us. I do not like this cover. And they were not receptive to that, <laughs> to me pushing back. So the, the book came out with this cover that I truly hate and um, it hasn't done well at all. It's done, it, it did terribly. Most of my books are a great success. This one book did terribly. And so it's very frustrating to feel like, gosh, guys, the cover is everything. Like the premise, yeah. you have to have a great cover and a great premise to get someone to buy the book. Now, if yeah. it's going to be successful, the writing, the story, the characters have to be amazing. That's, that's, it has to be amazing for you, Sonny, to tell your friend, oh my God, you've got to read this book. But, yeah, but you bought it because of the good cover and because you like the sound of the the premise of the story is. So for them to to botch the cover, it has huge ramifications, and that was super frustrating. I never really knew that like authors didn't have that much say in the covers. I always thought that authors would be like in touch with the illustrators and like all of that stuff. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't. They don't. They don't have really. Any, say unless they're really famous like if you're yeah Suzanne Collins or JK Rowling you'd be like you know, change the color of the hair but, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> not for me um, and authors shouldn't be in charge of their covers really it should be tested in front of like 400 teens show 400 teens three cover ideas and see which one wins that's the one to put on the book
right? Yeah, that's a good strategy for figuring yeah. that out. Who are your favorite authors and like books? What are your favorite books? Mm. Well, do mostly teens listen to this podcast, yeah. would you say? Okay, so let me, let me, I have, you know, lots of uh, adult literary authors that I like, but let me, let me get into my young adult. Well, first of all, the fantasy that I most like is, uh, fantasy is the genre I most like for, mm-hmm. for books. So a lot of my picks are fantasy picks. Um, I absolutely love Fire by Kristen Kishore. If your audience hasn't read that, it, it's, well, it's Fire. It's Lee Bardugo is a friend of mine, and everything she writes, the Shadow and Bone series, is wonderful. Lainey Taylor is another friend of mine, and Strange the Dreamer, one of my very favorite young adult books. So I highly recommend that. Um, I also love, there's a great book for the guys listening to this podcast called um, Hold Me Closer Necromancer by Lish McBride. It's such a funny book. It's about a slacker guy in Seattle who turns out to be a necromancer, which is a person who can make the dead live again. But he had no idea he was a necromancer. But like really weird stuff starts happening. (laughs) So I highly recommend that as well. That kind of gives me like supernatural vibes. I feel like I want to read that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's really, (laughs) it's, it's really good and it's really funny. I highly recommend definitely gonna check that out I haven't read a book in so long I feel like school always makes me like not want to read outside of school but I think I'll check those out sounds good yeah yeah I know it can be hard to read when you have so much work to do but yeah oh my gosh like even like our history textbooks it feels like you're reading a novel because they have all this fancy language in it that doesn't even pertain to history but Mm -hmm. yeah that's a separate topic um have you always loved reading and writing? And what made you interested in going into this profession? I have always loved reading and writing. I really have. I um, I grew up in Manhattan in the 70s, and it was a pretty rough world. Um, there were elements of it that were very cozy. My apartment building, I knew everyone in the apartment building, and you know we felt very safe going to anyone's house in the apartment. We There were like a flock of kids. We were just like... <laughs> go down, land in this kitchen and eat all the food and then land over here and run up and down the stairs all day. So it was a very fun place, but the city at large was kind of frightening. Um, there was a lot of crime in those days and it didn't feel like the safest place. So in books, I really found a refuge and I especially love the Little House on the Prairie books. I just love those. I love the the world, and I would read them over and over again. There, there wasn't as much writing for kids and teens when I was growing up. So there weren't. There was like Laura Ingalls Wilder who wrote the Little House books. There was Judy Bloom, and that's about it. There were just there was Beverly Cleary, and there was E. B. White who wrote uh, Trumpet of the Swan and uh, Charlotte's Web. Um, mm-hmm. So there were wonderful classic books, but there's nothing like the landscape today where there's so much amazing stuff. Um, And I started writing short stories when I was, I I wrote a few short stories as a child on a typewriter, thinking myself to be like a pretty supreme badass. (laughs) That is pretty cool. (laughs) It was really fun. So, um, so yes, I, I, I really loved 
I think to be a, to be a writer, you really need to be a reader. And the what's a shame is that today phones are so exciting and so immersive and so addictive that people yeah. just aren't reading as much as they used to. They're, nothing can compete with your phone. That's the problem. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that. My older sister, she's a huge reader. Like she has a bookstagram and she reads like crazy. It drives my parents insane a little bit. But every single device she has, she has like a hundred books on each of them. So when she's on like her phone or something like that, she's always reading. But then my brother, on the other hand, he never reads because he's always on his like phone or like right. computer or something like that. Yeah. And how old is your sister? Um, my sister is 22. 22. And honestly, like this is gonna, this is kind of shocking, but 22 year olds are reading a lot more than 16 year olds today because of I would phones. Like iPhones yeah. are only 14 years old or something. They haven't been around that long. So when your sister yeah. was growing up, she didn't have that. As a, yeah, as a 16 right. year old, she didn't have an awesome phone. It was kind of, it was cool, but it wasn't nearly as cool as they are now. Um, and in the YA, the young adult uh, literature industry, we've seen this uh, shocking drop off in how many kids are reading in the last five years, which just corresponds directly with how much more fun and engaging phones have become. It is a direct correlation. So how do you think that's going to affect like the author industry in the future book industry? Well, I think there are, that's a really good question, Sonny. First of all, let me just acknowledge that that's a really <laughs> smart question. I can't wait for your TED talk. I don't know what it will be, but it's going to be good. I can already tell. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, when I started writing books in 2011, right? My first book came out in 2012. A ton of people were writing YA. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of like a trendy, almost goofy thing to do, like to be a YA novelist. It was a bit of a joke because they were so, it was like, it was just hot, right? Everyone was doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and so the market was oversaturated. There were too many YA books coming out and then the readership declined. So then there were all these people who were like, I mean, I remember this moment at a conference about two years ago, I was sitting around a table. I was there to um, interview Lainey Taylor, who's a very big selling author. She's a big deal. And I was sitting at a table with a whole bunch of other big deal YA authors. And we all, we were just chatting and having lunch. And everyone in turn said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna write YA, I'm gonna write middle grade. Or yeah, I'm turning away from this, I'm gonna write adult fiction for a while. And I thought, whoa. It's because the sales are down. And yeah. so um, so markets sort of tend to correct themselves. I'm getting into too much detail for this podcast, I can tell. But, <laughs> no, no, um, no. but I, think, I think that probably authors are moving on and writing in other for other ages than teenagers. But the good news is there are so many amazing books out there. I mean, if, yeah. if people stopped writing books right now, we could all just spend 10 years reading all the books we've not read yet, and yeah. we wouldn't be sad at all. That's true. There's so many new books that come out, like, every day even, and there's always such a surplus oh of things to read. Hundreds of books come out every day. 
I heard that, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that there's enough clothing in the world now that if we stopped making clothing, we could all still be clothed for the next like hundred years. Oh my gosh. Okay, quick shout out to our last podcast. We talked with yeah. the director of sustainability and we talked about fast fashion. So go listen to that if you haven't already. Excellent. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to listen to it. Definitely. It's coming out tomorrow or well, it will already come out when this podcast is released, but yes. Excellent. Excellent. Um, kind of branching off of that, what do you see in your career in the future? Like your podcast, what's coming in the future? Yeah. Um, I'm, I am right now working on a ton of projects. So I have this comedy podcast. I really did this one just for fun is the truth. That's good. I don't yeah. think I, I'm not going to like get back into doing comedy, but it's, it's been terrifically fun. I have a pitch. I have two pitches. Basically I'm back in LA now and I'm pitching like crazy. I have a pitch in that I'm working with at awesomeness Nickelodeon. I have a pitch with alloy. They're the people who did gossip girl. I have, I'm going to take monument 14 and pitch it for TV as a limited Ooh. run series. Yeah. I'm uh -huh. super excited about that. And my book Berserker, which um, as much as I love Monument 14, Berserker is probably my favorite book that mm. I've written. It's set in 1883, and it tells the story of a family of Norwegian immigrants with ancient Viking superpowers. That is uh, crazy cool. That's yeah, so it's super fun. It's like a Western with these kids with Viking superpowers. I just love it. So I'm going to take that one and, and also try to pitch it for a TV and a film. So that's sort of what I'm doing. It's, it's actually a nice moment because my all my careers are sort of merging in one place, right? Like mm -hmm. screenwriting and novel writing and uh, being an actor in that I have to pitch things. So I have to be, you know, engaging and try to sell them. Yeah, totally. It seems like you're doing all of these different things. How do you deal with like doing all these things but you also have a family so how do you manage work-life balance that's a really good <laughs> question <laughs> it's um it's really hard it's really yeah. hard i gotta tell you it's hard um I, I, you want, you wind up feeling like you're never doing one thing as well as you want because you're spread pretty thin. So yeah. I probably have too many projects going right now to really be giving them each the brain power that they need. So I'm aware mm -hmm. of that. I'm trying to like get some stuff off my plate so I can do bigger, more detailed thinking about the projects that are on my plate. Balancing being a creative person with being a parent is a real struggle. It makes it better that there are so many people who are also trying to do it. So you can talk yeah. to your friends and you can all say, wow, this is really hard. But sure. um, it, it seems like you either want to have kids young when, while you have a lot of energy so that mm -hmm. you can shift into high gear with your career. Um, once you have kids, you get to shift into high gear again with your career when they're teenagers. So it's about 10 mm -hmm. years you've got to spend really parenting very full time before you can go up a notch. Um, so if you have kids early, right, get it out of the way. You have a lot of energy. <laughs> you bounce back yeah. real fast. That's good. Or you can start your career first 
and use your 20s and 30s to like really get in there and get far ahead. And then you can have like a squad of nannies and have babies <laughs> when you're in your 40s. So those are those are two different ways to go. And I and you guys will your lives are going to be so much different than than ours were, I think because of technology and sure. the different ways things are happening. So I'll be interested to see what your challenges are um, if you decide to have a family and have a career at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's a lot of careers, like especially it seems like yours, takes a lot of time away from hobbies outside. Well, I mean, your job is not a, not a hobby, but it's a passion and you're very interested in it. But um, it's interesting to like see how careers can like impact like how much time you get to spend with your family or like time that you can spend on outside hobbies and things like that. Uh, that's really that wise that, that you're, you're really doing some smart thinking about that because uh, I don't have any hobbies. I do read. Reading is how I de-stress. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a full-time mom and a full-time creative person. So that's, yeah. I don't have time to, um, to, for my sticker collection. My sticker collection is <laughs> terrible. The stickers are falling off the page. I haven't paid attention to it for 20 years. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just kidding. I'm not a sticker collector. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask about that. That's cool. Sticker collection. <laughs> yeah. How has your job impacted you? Like what new relationships have you formed? What are the biggest life lessons that you've learned from your career? I've learned, uh, I mean, I've learned so much from these careers. It's hard to boil it down to one or two biggest lessons. Um, practice makes perfect. You know, you really have to write a lot of pages to become good at being a writer. And I think probably the most important thing is to love what you do because mm -hmm. You have to, you, when I was an actor in New York in the 90s, I lived for it. It was all I wanted to do. I was obsessed yeah. with it. And so I worked and worked and worked and worked and I got really good and then I was successful. And when I, I love writing. I mean, I love it. I love coming up with ideas. I love figuring out the story structure and when I'm writing, I will look up and like eight hours have passed. I'm like, oh my God, it's, I got to get dinner. <laughs> what am I thinking? So you need what you're going to do in your career. You have to love it if you want to get really good at it, right? Because the yeah. love is the, is the gas in your tank that's going to get you all those long miles until you actually are good at something. Um, I remember this amazing picture. I wish I had saved it. It was on the... It was in the newspaper, the Los Angeles Times. What's the name of the paper? I think it's the LA Times. And they had it was in the, the arts section around right around the Oscars. And they had screenwriters standing with the stacks of scripts they had written before they had a screenplay at, uh, that was nominated, right? So it was like uh -huh. the six people who were nominated to win an Academy Award, all standing with stacks of paper to indicate how many scripts they had written. And oh the scripts were like two or three feet high. We're talking oh. about thousands and thousands and thousands of pages. And that's how long it takes to win an Academy Award, you know? So, yeah. so uh, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned is that you need to do what you love and the rest comes. 
What would you suggest to someone who thinks they might be interested in writing, but they're not completely sure? Would you say like you need to like love writing, you to like be immersed in it, or would you be like maybe try it out and see? Yeah, I would be gentle about it. I would say try it out. I think a lot of times when I talk to kids in schools, um, a lot of times they are shy about their desire to write. And they're yeah. taking their favorite book, right? Stephen King say, and they're like, God, I'll never be this good. I'll never be this good. So why even try? It's really easy to get discouraged. So I would say absolutely get in there start writing, figure it out, start making mistakes, write some stuff and start at the beginning and get to the end. Write some stories that you finish because there's also, it can be really discouraging if you start a lot of stories, but you never finish them. And it's also very common. So I would say, mm -hmm. absolutely get in here, come on in to this swimming pool that I'm imagining is the world of writing. <laughs> Splash around, mess around, see what you like, see what see what excites you. You know, young people um, should follow. You're, you're still figuring out who you are and what you want to do. So you've got to try all different kinds of stuff and see what works, mm -hmm. see what interests you. Um, often, I feel like there's this internal sensor that says, like, who do you think you are? You can't do that. Yeah, you know? I definitely, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, you oh, you like to dance. Well, you're never going to make it as a dancer. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that that's irrelevant. Your soul <laughs> wants to dance. Get out there and dance, you know. Um, so when it comes to the arts, I, I really encourage everyone to experiment, get out there. Um, and once you but once you find yourself loving something or once you're in there, once you look up and realize that eight hours have passed and you've been writing poetry or making a mosaic or playing with kids or gardening or grooming your dog or, you know, talking to your <laughs> grandma, like whenever you find yourself losing time and you because you're so into it, take note of that. That's like a really important list to keep. These are the things I love to do because that I recommend you look into those as a career. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that you talked about that because I've been thinking a lot about like what different jobs are and what they could be in my life and how I would want to manage like work life or work home. Yeah, that balance sure. and thinking about like if I want like a career that maybe I'm not so interested in, but able to like outside of that do hobbies and things like that or if I want a career that I can like immerse myself in and grow through my career I don't know it's such a hard decision to make and I feel like like at least at this point I feel like I haven't found that one thing that makes like my heart sparkle or makes me want to just do that all the time man I totally hear you I totally hear you and um I think it's kind of a dumb question when grown-ups ask kids or high school kids like what do you want to be what do you yeah. want to do? Because the question is, what do you want to do first? What's, what's the first yeah, thing you want to try? Uh, I mean, if you want to be a plastic surgeon, then you probably should knuckle down and study biology pretty quickly. And, you know, mm -hmm. go to medical school and do your residency because it takes so long to become a plastic surgeon. But most jobs in our world today are not like that. 
you can do one thing for five years and another thing for five years and then take a break for five years and then have a huge career and become a film director, you know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I hope you can take some of that. I know there's a lot of pressure on kids in high school to figure out what you want to do, but I hope you can take some of that pressure off yourself to just let yourself breathe and, and take a look around. Yeah, I think I just want to explore everything. I feel like there's so many different things that I'm interested in and I want to look into and I just want to like take a nibble of each of these different things and figure out what I like best. That's well, you got it right. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I think there's a lot of um, a lot of satisfaction that comes with a career that you can like start like from the day that not the day you were born but like since you were a child you're like oh I want to be a doctor and then you pursue that and that can be very rewarding just can be intimidating to like make that decision yes oh man you're so right you're so right about this there's times when I wish that I had a burning desire to just do one thing right I told yeah. you five minutes ago I'm doing a podcast right now. I'm pitching projects for television. I'm pitching podcasts. I have a book proposal. I'm like doing too many things. Sure. Um, if I had only ever wanted to be an actor, things would be easier for me in a way. Um, mm -hmm. But most people aren't like that. I think most people are good at a lot of different things. And it seems like you and I might be the same kind of, <laughs> same kind of people yeah. on this. Definitely. Uh, I think I'm ready for the last question. So this last okay, question, uh, we ask all of the podcast people we interview and it is, oh what is your tagline, like your motto or your saying? <laughs> what is my tagline? Oh yes. my God, that's hilarious. Oh, that's hard. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I have no <laughs> ideas. Um, all right, here's my tagline. <laughs> it's really cliche easy does it oh that's so good easy does it <laughs> just just calm down it's gonna be fine easy does it because the nice thing about easy does it is it just implies that being light and being in the moment and sort of listening and being aware is gonna get it done it's not about, oh, I need to focus and get this, you know, bang, bang, bang on the computer. No, it's like, oh, how much breath can I put in this thing? How easy can I make it um, to read, you know, to, anyway, that's my motto. Emmy Laybourne, easy does it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good too with the E and the E. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. What's your motto? Sunny, do you have one? Oh my gosh. No, don't oh, put me on the see? spot now. Mm -hmm. well, now you I see. Like, yeah, oh no. No, we can come back to that. I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> just say easy. Just say easy does it. <laughs> easy does it. Easy see, does there it. you go. Sunny, easy does it. <laughs> yes, I like it. It has a good ring to it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is so uh, fun to talk to you. We, we could talk forever. I know we could. I have so many questions for you. I'm probably going to email you after this with some questions. Please do. Keep in touch. <laughs> Definitely. I think that is it for this podcast. I will leave Emmy Laybourne's information down below, her website and all of that. Thank you for listening. Thank you. It was a joy to be here with you. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening this week. Tune in for our future episodes every other Thursday and leave us a review down below. Check out our Instagram at BY4YPodcast for career resources and more about this episode. Bye!